0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this interview episode of the Lance Browning Show. Today, I will be interviewing Turning Point USA contributor, Isabel Brown. So let's go ahead and dive into that interview. So starting off, can you tell me a little bit about Turning Point USA?
1: Absolutely. I am currently a spokesperson for Turning Point USA, and I started my journey with the organization as a college student uh, when I was a sophomore going into my junior year at Colorado State University. So at the time, really didn't know that much about the organization, but was very lucky to receive um, a political Facebook ad, basically, for a Turning Point USA conference and their annual Women's Summit in Dallas, Texas. So my first experience with Turning Point was really jumping right into the deep end of one of our national conferences uh, and completely falling in love with the organization at the very first moment. We are a national grassroots organization and the fastest growing youth conservative organization across America and in our country's history. It's very exciting to be a part of, but essentially what we do is we work with high school and college students promoting the ideas of free markets, limited government, individual responsibility, and free speech. Uh, And we do those things through clubs or chapters on our college and high school campuses that we are a part of. So uh, basically it's like a little group of people on your campus that you interact with on a day-to-day or weekly basis. We host events on campus and then we do conferences across the country as well.
0: Some colleges and universities are reopening to in-person classes with strict COVID-19 regulations. For example, if you're caught in violation of mask and social distancing regulations, you could be expelled. So what's your reaction to these new rules?
1: What's happening on college campuses right now is completely shocking to me. And I think it is really shocking to all Americans, not just myself or people who work in politics or even who just graduated from their college campus. What students are going through right now this fall looks virtually nothing like it did even just a few months ago when students abruptly left for the spring semester around spring break and they weren't able to return back to campus. Uh, What's most alarming to me in all honesty, has to do with just the really extreme double standard of regulations that we're seeing on college campuses. People are being told that because of the pandemic that we are under right now with COVID-19, they have to wear a mask everywhere outside of their individual dorm room. They have to stay six feet away from people. If they go to any gathering, more than 10 people, they might be suspended or expelled from the university. But at the same time, with all of the social justice initiatives that are happening across the country, the really extreme rioting and protesting and violence that's spreading across the country with the Black Lives Matter Incorporated movement in Antifa, if students participate in that activity, they seem to be exempt from all of these really extreme policies that the universities are are encouraging students to follow and basically saying, we'll expel you if you don't. So I am really optimistic that more and more students are going to continue speaking up about these policies. But as of right now, there is a very clear double standard existing on college campuses across America.
0: An overwhelming percentage of our colleges and universities are filled with liberal indoctrination. Do you believe that conservatives are at a disadvantage because of so many liberal professors?
1: You know, I wouldn't say they're at a disadvantage. And I remain very optimistic about what's happening on college campuses just because of the really extreme progress that I see every day with Turning Point USA and so many thousands of college students across the country being bold enough to speak up in their classes and to sort of fight back against that leftist indoctrination. In many ways, conservative students are actually at more of an advantage, I think, in their college experience because they have an opportunity to explore the full spectrum of political ideology. They can challenge their beliefs. They can start to question the things that they believe in in a concrete way to make sure that they can solidify their values at an even stronger level than when they came into their college campus to begin with. Students who maybe don't have a political affiliation or they already identified uh, to the left on the political spectrum when they start college have really no opportunity to do that inside the classroom and in many extracurricular situations on campus too. So ultimately, my hope is that that really extreme skew towards the left for college professors, which I believe is about a ratio of 12 to 1 across the country, leftist to conservative professors, should even out a lot more and give every student the opportunity to expand their horizons.
0: Anarchists have filled the streets of Portland, among other cities, for over 100 nights. Crime rates are on the rise. The Democratic Party only recently condemned the violence. What's your take on the unrest in our streets?
1: Oh, it is heartbreaking to see what is happening across the country, and it shouldn't matter what your political affiliation is or who you're planning to vote for in November. Everyone should be heartbroken about the increasing violence across our country, especially in cities and urban areas across America. Like you said, the left has really just started to start apologizing for those things. They're putting out tweets and statements and doing press conferences now, months and months and months after the fact that these protests have been going on. Uh, And honestly, for me, that's just too little, too late. I think for most Americans, it is as well. And what we really are looking for as a United States of America, regardless of political affiliation when it comes to the election this November, is a strong leader who's going to take a stand for law and order and who's going to stand up for the anarchy that's really ruling the urban areas of America right now.
0: The mainstream media would like the American people to believe that these are peaceful protests when in reality, there's looting, rioting, and murder because apparently rioting is needed to bring change. How can conservatives win the argument that what some are doing isn't peaceful and needs to be stopped?
1: I'm glad you brought that up because that's really been a motif of the left this year saying like, it's okay if we smash windows and it's okay if we burn down churches and punch someone in the face or even kill someone uh, in the name of the cause that we are working towards. And otherwise no one will pay attention to what our cause actually is that could not be further from the truth. And the American story is one of peaceful protest. The First Amendment is first for a reason. The American people have an innate right to gather, to assemble, to speak their minds, regardless of what the political majority looks like, regardless of who's in office, regardless of what the popular opinion might be and it is that right that has allowed us to spur so much civil change throughout our entire story as a country, if you look at the civil rights movement, the suffrage movement, uh, and many, many others as well. So I have a hard time believing the left's latest argument that the only way to accomplish real change is to instill violence across America's cities and across our country. Uh, But in reality, they are drawing attention to themselves, and I think they're doing well in accomplishing that goal, but they're drawing all the wrong attention to their movement. If the movement really is about equality for all Americans, if it's really about getting everybody a seat at the table, the violence absolutely needs to stop. And I'm very happy to be seeing so many politicians start to speak up about that, but really it's not enough, and we need every leader across our country to start saying that that's not okay anymore. Yeah.
0: Ever since the George Floyd incident, there have been calls to defund the police. Some police departments have experienced millions of dollars, and in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars in budget reductions. How do the American people stand behind our police in these times of unrest?
1: Would it be hard to be a police officer right now? I'll tell you what. My heart goes out to so many people across our country who are working day in and day out to keep Americans safe and most of the time putting their own life on the line when they go out to do their job at the end of the day. And that is a very, very heartbreaking thing uh, that I think we've seen in 2020 thus far. You really hit the nail on the head Talked about the, the millions if not billions of dollars being defunded from these departments, in particular police departments, but really just law enforcement across the board. In New York City, for example, $1 billion was removed from the NYPD this summer after calls to defund the police. And for many, including Representative AOC, that wasn't enough. We need to get rid of it completely. But right after that happened, there was over a 100% increase in homicide in New York City and violent shootings as well. And we're seeing that in other urban areas, Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, Portland, Seattle, all across the country. And people aren't looking at the direct cause and effect of what happens when we remove those vital resources from police departments, and then the really extreme uptick in violent crime that we see almost immediately after. That's clearly not the answer to stop violence on America's streets. And it's definitely not the answer in protecting minorities who unfortunately are at a higher risk be involved in homicide and shootings and in violent crimes, particularly in big cities across America. So ultimately, the answer is actually providing more resources and more trainings uh, to police departments across the country to make sure that everybody is equally well taken care of, that everybody has the same opportunities in America, and that people can just engage in day-to-day life in their neighborhoods without fear for their lives. I hope that more and more Americans are going to continue speaking up to support the police. I think people across the board are starting to realize this is not a political issue. It has nothing to do with partisan politics, Uh, but really it's just about keeping all Americans safe regardless of whether or not we look the same or vote the same or love the same. Uh, And people across the board I've seen have started to make a bigger splash with those statements on social media in particular.
0: How can young Americans become involved in
1: politics? You're never too young, and I like to tell people this all the time, whenever I give speeches to particularly older crowds with uh, GOP fundraisers um, or other events, I'm often told that I'm too young to be doing what I'm doing, that I need to get more life experience, that I just need to get a, a different job, and then I can come back to doing something like this in politics later on. That could not be further from the truth. America has always relied on strong young voices to make a difference in our country and to continue carrying that torch of freedom you know, we don't think about the founding fathers as being young, right? We think about them with the big powdery white wigs and really old white guys. But in 1776, when we were fighting for independence in this country, most of those people were under the age of 30 or 25. Some were even 18 or 17 years old. Uh, And so the young voice in America is still important today and really has never been more important than right now, in my opinion, as Gen Z, which is our generation, starts to come into voting age. Uh, in bigger numbers. And so everyone that was born after 1997, uh, and now has become an adult, those are all considered Gen Z Americans. And what most people don't know is that our generation is the most conservative generation that our country has seen since World War II. So we need everyone in Gen Z to start speaking up to make videos on your Instagram or put out tweets every day talking about the things you believe in, get involved with your local Republican Party or conservative organization and try to get the voter turnout up. Uh, come November, because I think we really will make a big splash when it comes to the youth conservative vote in November.
0: And one last question, how can Gen Z conservatives mobilize other teens and young adults to stand up for conservatism and reject liberal ideology?
1: It's really not rocket science. And it's not a secret formula either. You know, I just got started in social media about a year ago and had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to produce a video. I didn't know what a public account on social media looked like, and I really just figured it out as I went. But all it starts with is you being bold and brave enough to use your voice in your sphere of influence, whatever that looks like. So maybe that's on your college campus or in one of your high school classes. Maybe that's on social media, like I've done the last year, and that's been so fun and a great way to connect with hundreds and hundreds of people every day, directly uh, through videos or direct messages or posts and tweets. Uh, Maybe that's speaking to local organizations and talking about why the young conservative movement happens to be different from everything that our country has seen in the past and how people can help support you. Whatever that looks like, we need you and we need your help. So just get started, sit in your living room like this, record a little video talking about an opinion that you have, encourage people to share that. Uh, And I know that there's so many people out there who are willing to reach back down and help the next generation. I being one of those people, uh, we're just really excited to see more Gen Z individuals start speaking up.
0: And that's the interview. I'd like to thank Isabel once again for sitting down to do that with me. With that, you can go follow Reform USA on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Parler, and subscribe to The Pack on YouTube. You can go to www.reformusa.pack.com to keep up with Reform USA, and you can go follow my personal accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Parler. So thank you so much, and I'll see you next Friday for the regular scheduled podcast.